Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Cal Football is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Northern California, and is available on all major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. Believe in Cal Football is also brought to you by OS Day Bar, Cafe, and Rooftop, located downtown Oakland, and the QL Gaming Group. Check out their betting boards at betql.co. Roll on, you bears. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Believe in Cal Football on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network in Northern California. I'm your host, GPS on the mic. Kevin Riley is on leave today, and folks, it's time to get hyped. Yes, I know we're we're 0-2, but it is now big game week. We got Stanford coming in, the 123rd big game to be exact, and we are hyped. On this episode of Believe in Cal Football, of course, we're going to talk about the upcoming big game. We're going to talk last week, a little bit of reflection in the Oregon State game. As well, we're going to move on to the latest conference news in the Pac-12. We'll move out to college football outside of the conference. And then, of course, talk a little bit of Raiders. We'll talk a little bit of 49ers. All before we end with our segment, Hashtag Pro Bears, where we give a shout out to the Golden Bears in the NFL who really put it on. But before any of that, folks, if you don't already know, it's time you know now. BetOnline.ag is the place to place your sports wagers. From anything from NFL to college action to even the 24-7 casinos, that is where you need to be placing your bets, and you need to be placing them early and often. So please, you don't want to be sorry. You don't want to get caught on the losing end. Head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. Sign up today and tell them GPS sent you. Additionally, be sure to follow me on Instagram at GPS underscore on the mic to get my latest three-pack Shakur to find out every week which three football bets I like the best. Not that that matters to you, or, or maybe it does, but that is far more than enough of that. Let's get into the latest Berkeley talk. Okay, friends, let's address it. Yes, we're 0-2. Yes, we're coming off a loss where we essentially lost the game on the goal line, but it is not time to hang our heads low, especially in a week where Stanford is waiting for us on Friday. The Oregon State game, I think we actually do have a lot of positives to take away from that. It was better than the UCLA game, but of course that's not saying much. The UCLA game, to me, is a bit of a fluke. It's really unprecedented that a college team is not going to know who they're playing up until hours before and then redirecting flights, rescheduling hotels, all before we ended up in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl and really taking it on the chin from the Bruins. But last week against Oregon State, we definitely played with more confidence, and it really starts with the offense going through. Garbers looked tremendously better last week. He was 28 of 42 attempts, 315 yards. He threw three touchdowns and two interceptions, of course, one being the costly one at the goal line to end the game. On the rushing side of the on the ball, we didn't do so bad. Of course, we were without Christopher Jones Jr., so assuming that, I really like the way Marcel Dancy picked up the pace. Of course, he had more in the backfield with him. They split carries pretty evenly. It was Dancy had 17 carries for 76 yards. Moore had 12 carries for only 33. But it was a nice little change of pace and a good bit of improvis- improvisation. Improvisation. I, I used to do that in drama a lot. Improv. We just call it improv. A good amount of improv from the Bears rushing attack to get things rolling. And we also finally hit some plays downfield. Kakoa Crawford, 
looked really, really good being a big body receiver going up and high pointing the ball. Had a nice touchdown catch. He went for 141 yards on 10 receptions. Of course, Makai Polk, he had a nice day as well. Four catches, 81 yards, and also a score. So again, I definitely think there is much more to hang our head on this week as opposed to last week's loss against UCLA. Now, on defense, we kind of had some mixed reviews for the Bears. Honestly, though, I didn't think it was that bad of a performance. Other than the two really big plays the Bears gave up, one of them was the first play from scrimmage on something like a 65-yard touchdown run, the Bears were pretty productive on defense outside of that. Leading the way was Cameron Good. He had seven tackles, five solo, and two and a half tackles for a loss. As well, Elijah Hicks, our former starting corner that we've moved to safety this year, he had six tackles, five solo, and even wound up with an interception, his first interception on the year. Of course, Cam Bynum, he played well additionally, had five tackles, two solo, and a tackle for a loss. So yes, I like what I saw last week against Oregon State a lot more than the performance we gave out against UCLA. But now, it's all about getting ready for Stanford. We're 0-2. I have a feeling a lot of us will feel much better if we can go ahead, kick Stanford in the teeth when they come into Memorial Stadium, and retain the axe, and retain the bragging rights, and keep it in the East Bay, keep the 5-1-0 happy. This year, the big game will be played on a Friday. This Friday at Memorial Stadium with a 1.30 West Coast kickoff. Now, before we got the axe back from Stanford last year, they had it for nine consecutive years. What do you say, Berkeley? It's time we start a bit of a streak of our own. This will be the 123rd big game between Cal and Stanford. And likely, this is the first time the two schools will meet on Black Friday. In previous years, they've almost always kept the big game from not being on the week of Thanksgiving, whether for television reasons or for reasons favoring the students so they can be in attendance at the game. We're not quite used to playing the big game Thanksgiving week. Stanford, like Cal, is 0-2 right now and has had some pretty disheartening losses. Last week, Stanford was idle after their game with Wazoo was canceled. Before that, they took a pretty tough loss to Colorado, where Jerry Rice's son seem to steal the show. As it stands now, California is entering the game as a one and a half point favorite. Some of you may seem kind of surprised by that, but I think it's really right on line. One and a half points sounds about right. Keys to victory for Cal. Number one, obviously, and most importantly, keep Chase Garbers upright. I realize we have yet to be at full strength with our offensive line, and we may never be at full strength this season. But above all, we have to keep Garbers upright. We have to keep him healthy. That way he can best utilize his athleticism and time to read the defense. First and foremost, keep Garbers upright. After that, I think it's vital that our secondary wins the battle against the Stanford receivers. If Stanford does have a strong point, I believe it is in their receiving core. In their last contest, as mentioned, against Colorado, eight different Stanford receivers caught passes. The quarterback, Mills, he does a very nice job of spreading the ball around. However, I think if the Bears' talented and experienced secondary can win that match, I think California will have no problem winning back the axe and as well covering the one-and-a-half-point spread. Additionally, special teams will play a vital role in this game. Last week, as we saw against Oregon State, Nico Remigio had not one, but two touchdown returns called back. I believe one was on a kickoff and one was on a punt. We cannot have that. We've got to be more disciplined on special teams. That way we give our playmakers a chance. Additionally, look for Remigio to also have a bigger impact on the offensive side of the ball. 
Last year, I believe he was our number one receiver. Him and Crawford, we really need them to get in sync with each other. It looks like Crawford has been able to get up into his rhythm now. Garbers has been able to find him on the long ball. Definitely better than we could in the UCLA game. If we hope to keep the axe on this side of the bay, Garbers will have to find those two early and often. Folks, it's going to be a bloodbath. It always is when it comes to Stanford. Don't miss it. It'll be on Fox, 1 o'clock kickoff at Memorial Stadium. If you don't want to catch it on Fox, as always, you can catch it on KGO Radio. Roll on, you bears. Elsewhere in the Pac-12 last week, USC remains unbeaten after beating Utah and Salt Lake City 33-17. Trojans always seem to pull it out in fluky fashion. I'm not completely sold on them yet. However, there is a lot to be unseen. Moving on, Oregon outlasts UCLA 38-35. That was a one that was a little closer than many thought. And lastly, Washington tames the Arizona Wildcats 44-27. Now, this week, outside of the big game, the Pac-12 will feature a few good matchups. Also, on Friday, the Civil War will commence. Well, actually, I've got a word I'm not supposed to call it the Civil War. Regardless, Oregon is going to travel to Oregon State at 430 Western, ESPN, November 27th. That should be a good one. We always like when the Ducks and Beavers get together. Moving on to Saturday, Colorado will travel to USC for a 12:30 kickoff. And on the later game, Arizona will also travel to LA, but to UCLA for a 5 o'clock kickoff. It is noted the Pac-12 does have two canceled games this week. Unfortunately, the beloved Apple Bowl will not be played this year. Washington will not travel to Wazoo. It has been canceled for COVID reasons, and the same can be said for Utah at Arizona State. The game will not happen this week. It's unlikely that it will happen at all this season. Outside of the Pac-12, we have a bit of breaking news in college football. The very first of the year college football playoff rankings have been announced. And starting at number four, we have Ohio State, number three, Clemson, number two, Notre Dame, and number one, you bet, Alabama. Now, this is a system that seems always to be subject of scrutiny, and for better or worse, you know, nothing is perfect. With that said, I really think this first ranking, they got it right. Those first four teams, and in that order, seems about right to me. And I'm a guy who, I never like to jump on the bandwagons of the Blue Bud football schools, specifically schools like Notre Dame or Clemson, but as they have performed this year, I really feel like that's a pretty fair ranking. It should be noted that the first two teams on the outside, the number five and six teams, at five is Texas A&M, and then at number six is Florida. And I think, if anything, I may have those two teams flip-flopped. I think Florida has played very impressively this year. I think they could even make an argument to be ahead of Ohio State at number four. But one thing I know is that we're going to have a lot of good football continuing in the college world. We're going to have some great finishes. And as everything else this year, it's been unconventional, but we are going to get it done. Outside of the conference this week, I really don't have too many games circled on the schedule as must-watch matchups other than the Iron Bowl. Auburn travels to Alabama. Alabama is ranked number one, and Auburn is all the way at 22. But I feel like when these schools get together, rankings pretty much go out the door. We've seen some of the best college matches ever between these two schools. They're always putting a ton of product in the NFL. This one is going to, I think, not be a blowout, although the rankings are a little staggered there in Alabama's favor. Something about it. These two schools, there's an animosity that runs very deep for one another, similar to the West Coast animosity we have with Cal and Stanford between one another. Yeah, I'd say if you're going to catch a college game this week outside of Stanford and Cal, make sure it is Auburn at Alabama. Moving on to a bit of NFL action from last week, 
Sunday night football gave us a great game between the Raiders and their hated arch rival, the Kansas City Chiefs. The game was back and forth all night long, and from the very widely speculated and circulated rumors of the Raiders taking a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium, their trip there, you know that Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs wanted this one bad. The Raiders were impressive, though. The Raiders have showed up in just about every game they've been in this year, and I think because of their consistency of a very good offensive line, the Raiders are going to be in every game. Carr, for the most part, was accurate all day. He, again, was selective with his passes, not doing anything too much. But it really just came down to that final drive with the Chiefs. The Raiders had took care of their part. They went down and scored. They left a little bit too much time, and the Chiefs, as you saw, really just on that last play there where we saw Kelsey scoring in the end zone, Abram, he seemed to lose his discipline. And we know Abram, he's definitely a guy that plays with a lot of fire, but I think he can be a little undisciplined at times, and there he lost sight of his coverage, and Kelsey wound up all alone in the end zone for the game-winning score. I do like what Abram brings to the table. I think the enforcement that he brings from the safety spot is something a lot of players around the NFL are catching on to. But when you kind of play with that blitzer bust mentality, you are going to leave yourself hanging and usually on the backside in situations as we saw with Kelsey's winning score. I think the Raiders do have a lot to be proud of. Again, they have been able to do a lot on the offensive side of the ball this year. They stay very balanced using that nice tandem of Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker in the backfield. And the Raiders receivers show up every week. Aguilar, although he had a couple drops, he had a nice score. Renfro is maybe the most timely wide receiver in the NFL at the moment. I think the Raiders have a positive outlook going forward. It is always a tough loss against the Chiefs. But yeah, the Raiders are still in good shape in my opinion. It is noted here that it looks like Richie Incognito will not be returning this year. He has had Achilles surgery. We wish him a speedy recovery. And the Raiders, yeah, they've got a good shot to make the playoffs. Now, the 49ers, on the other hand, who were idle last week, they were on their bye, really seem to have no definite direction at the moment. The product they put on the field every week has varied highly from the week before. At first, most Niner fans would probably say that they were very comfortable with Nick Mullins under center. I think this year he's shown that he does have a little a little flaw in his game. It seems he has some tough times going through progressions. It seems he has a tough time making reads. And being the fact that Garoppolo has been mostly unavailable this season, it obviously brings up the question, what do they do about the quarterback spot next year? Garoppolo is going to be owed a ton more money. And again, other than the Super Bowl season, he just doesn't really have that huge of a sample size of success. Yes, he's got a great win-loss record, but ultimately, what is that worth if you can't go the distance and win it in the big game? I think Garoppolo does still bring a lot to the table, but he's left himself in a very difficult predicament. At quarterback, one of the most important attributes is simply availability, the, the fact that you can be out there and healthy enough to play. And Jimmy hasn't exactly showed that in his tenure with the 49ers. Of course, really nothing has gone right for the 49ers this year. There's no more Kittle. There hasn't been any Mostert. Richard Sherman has been absent for the majority of the year. Everybody knows what happened to Nick Bosa. D. Ford is a guy who also has not seemed to be able to be healthy in a 49er uniform. Man, it is a headache, but hopefully some clarity will come to light as the weeks come on here. I know Shanahan, 
he's still, in my opinion, he's one of the top football minds in the game. I know sometimes it seems like he gets into a little bit of a play-calling funk, but I just think everything from his work ethic to his conceptual design with plays, Shanahan will figure something out for this team going forward. I think John Lynch is the right guy to have as an executive. The Niners are down, but they're not out. Is their window closed for good? I'm not sure. Now, this week, the 49ers will travel down south for their very first game at SoFi Stadium to see the Los Angeles Rams, who have been playing much better as of late, as we saw them get the win on Monday Night Football last night. Interestingly enough, the 49ers have had the Rams number for the last couple years, so I think we should get a pretty competitive game there as well. Speaking of the Rams, we'll stay on them for a moment. They, like I said, had a pretty impressive showing on Monday Night Football last night. The defense stepped up when it needed to. Jalen Ramsey, you know how he likes to play. He's a very physical corner. He likes to talk a lot. He likes to get in your head, and he did do that at times last night for the Rams. I did see Mike Evans got a couple wins himself, but ultimately it was the Rams' defense that bested Tom Brady in the Buccaneers' offense. Brady, he's also shown mixed results, although he's had some really good games this year. He's also had a couple games where he has looked more frustrated than I've seen him throughout the entirety of his career. I'm talking about that Saints game a few weeks ago where they got absolutely shellacked, and I'm also talking about some moments last night against the Rams. There was a few times where Brady was just errant on his throws, and there really wasn't any clear-cut reason why. I don't know if it was a bad read or if it was the L.A. pass rush getting to him in a quicker time that he's more comfortable, but Brady had some head-scratchers last night, and I know him and Arians will go back to the drawing board and get everything in place, and Ultimately, I'm sure the Buccaneers will be fine for the season, but that's not to take away from the Rams. They beat a really good team on the road in Tampa. And, of course, our our guy, Jared Goff, he played big. And I know Goff is another guy who can be a little inconsistent, but he made some top-notch throws when it mattered most. And, of course, it does help when he has wideouts as talented as Cup and Woods, guys who are probably better after the catch than anybody else in the NFL. And I'm sure that's an unpopular opinion, But if you watch Cup or Woods when they're in open space, they're very physical, they're very violent, and they employ some of the best stiff arms in the NFL. So yeah, there's guys like DK Metcalf and Julio Jones who are absolute tanks to bring down, but something about Cup and Woods, they those guys are ball players, no doubt. However, it can't be ignored, the Rams seem to have a absolute lack of a running game. Their first pick in the last year in last year's draft was Cam Akers, very talented running back out of Florida State, but he has been very underutilized this year. And with a guy like Sean McVay, who is similar to Kyle Shanahan's and the way that they can craft up different schemes, route combinations, and various motions to send the action one way or another, you would think he'd find a way to get his halfbacks involved. But last night, there was almost zero production from the running back spot. So that's definitely something that can be developed to make Jared Goff's life a little bit easier because I've seen Goff make some of the top, top throws in the NFL, but then you've also seen him make some of the most boneheaded throws as well. Story of my life, right? And now, folks, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Well, well, some people's favorite segment, none other than hashtag pro bears. This is the segment on the show where we like to, of course, give a little bit of limelight to the golden bears that shine at the NFL level. So, Let's get started here. First on the defensive end, and maybe had a bigger day than any other Golden Bear in the NFL at the moment, New Orleans Saints defensive end Cam Jordan. He had four tackles, including three sacks, as the Saints really beat up Matt Ryan and, well, made the Falcons' day very long. 
Following that, from Pittsburgh, defensive end Tyson Alu-Alu. He's got one pass deflection in a win over Jacksonville. Pittsburgh stays undefeated. We'll see how long they can ride that. Moving on, New York Jets safety, Ashton Davis. Now, before we get into his stat line, I'd like to say of the rookies, of the Golden Bear rookies in the NFL, Ashton Davis, I believe, has shined the brightest. And it also may be because he's gotten the most opportunity. The Jets, as we've known, they give up a lot of points, and the guys in their secondary are active. So back now to the New York Jets safety, Ashton Davis. He had 12 tackles, 8 solo, 1 for a loss, and even fumbled a recovery. However, the Jets do lose again. Moving on to the Washington football team for head coach Ron Rivera. The Washington football team gets a win over Cincinnati. However, it is a little bit of a tainted victory as Joe Burrow, the number one pick of the last draft, was carted off with a knee injury. It's being reported now that it is a torn ACL, a torn MCL, among other injuries. Even though it was good to see our guy Ron Rivera get a win, it is a little bit of a bittersweet moment seeing a guy like Joe Burrow someone who has played his position well as a rookie, to see him go down like that. Moving on now to the offensive side of the ball. As we mentioned earlier, Los Angeles Rams quarterback Jared Goff gets it done on Monday Night Football last night. His stat line, 39 of 51, 376 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions, but he made some big-time throws in the clutch, including two guys like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. They really helped carry the Rams over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Moving on from him, we have Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers was 27 of 38, threw for 311, three touchdowns, and only one interception, however, in an overtime loss at Indianapolis. And I know that second half of the game for Green Bay was a little fluky in many ways, and as well, there was some very, very costly fumbles Green Bay had. Rodgers plays a nice game, however, the Packers lose. It's funny how when Rodgers has kind of these over 300 yards and three touchdowns we look at it a little pedestrian now but again it's just because Rodgers makes look the quarterback position so easy sticking with the surname of Rodgers we'll move to Philadelphia tight end Richard Rodgers caught two passes 48 yards however one of those catches was a 19 yard score however Philadelphia loses in Cleveland and Philly just seemed to can't get it completely right Moving on again, we have Detroit wide receiver Marvin Jones Jr., who's putting together a very nice season despite the Lions being so up and down. This week, Marvin Jones had four catches for 51 yards, and they were shut out against Carolina. However, a receiver who was definitely not shut out, and his team wasn't, <laughs> his team wasn't shut out in the slightest, Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen goes off. 16 catches, 145 yards, and a score, and the Bolts roll all over the Jets. Um, sure, Keenan Allen was part of the crew keeping safety Ashton Davis very busy. Moving on to special teams, Houston punter Brian Anger. Not quite his great week he's been having, but again, this is a player who makes the phenomenal look pedestrian. So this week, Anger had four punts, only one inside the 20, and he had a long of 44 yards as Houston got a win. They beat New England, they beat Cam Newton, and maybe they're starting to get a little bit of direction in Houston. However, they still seem like they may be far off. We did have one Golden Bear, one notable Golden Bear injured, still injured, unfortunately. Uh, Kansas City right tackle Mitch Schwartz out for the fourth straight week with a back injury. However, the Chiefs continue to do their thing after we saw blockbuster game in Las Vegas against the Raiders. The Chiefs did deliver in the clutch, ended up getting the victory there, but I'm sure they are counting the days until they can get their beloved right tackle, Mitch Schwartz, back. 
All right, folks, that is all the time we have for the show today. Once again, thanks for bearing with me. It has been GPS on the mic. Give me a follow on Twitter or Instagram. That is at GPS underscore on the mic. And catch me again this Sunday. I'm going to do another three-pack Shakur of bets you should have your eye on and bets you should maybe place if you'd like to get in the green. But we know what it is from here on out. It is beat Stanford, beat the Red, beat the Cardinal. Keep the axe here on this side of the bay, the East Bay, where it belongs in the 5-1-0. Beat Stanford, everybody. Go Bears. Believe in Cal Football is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Northern California, and is available on all major platforms. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. Believe in Cal Football is also brought to you by OS Day Bar, Cafe, and Rooftop, located downtown Oakland and the QL Gaming Group. Check out their betting boards at betql.co. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.